0: Welcome to Why Make, where we talk with makers from different disciplines about what inspires them to make. With your hosts, Rob Helmkamp and Eric Wolken.
1: On this podcast, we're talking with Russell Gale, general manager of Grovewood Gallery. And um, I do believe he started his path to becoming a gallery manager at the College of the Redwoods. Um, Other than that, I don't really know Russell. Uh, I believe you do, though.
0: Yeah, I met Russell in Asheville a few years ago through a, through a chairmaker Brian Boggs and you know have had have had great interactions with Russell um, as the gallery manager he's uh, which he's taken on over the last couple of years at, at Grovewood I've I've gotten to know him through exhibiting my furniture there so it's it, you know it's it's been a good relationship and it'll be it'll be real fun to sit down and and talk with Russell about um, his practice of making furniture and is and the experience that's that's led him to selling furniture
1: yeah that that should be that should be interesting They, uh you know i'm always curious that uh that work-life balance especially when you you know you're the gallery manager and when do you make and so here we go here's our conversation with russell gale
2: Where were you born? Where'd you grow up? So I grew up in Franklin, North Carolina, which is um, about an hour and 20 minutes west of here, right on the border in North Georgia. Okay. Pretty rural, okay. but in the mountains, It's uh, just the southern, westward mountains. Um, it's a great place to grow up. It's rural. You know, you came to Asheville if you needed shoes or clothes. Yeah. <laughs> and you went to the mall. Um, so Asheville was the big city. Asheville was a big city. I played soccer here. Okay. Um, but again, it was where you came. Yeah. But you didn't go downtown, right? You didn't go to Montford. You didn't go. You went to the mall. Um, Tunnel Road. Here we go. That's right. That's right. No, it was a great place to grow up. Um, but I was by the time I got to be in high school, I was kind of ready to <laughs> see some new stuff. <laughs> go ways. somewhere else. Um, so
1: did you grow up on in a? You grew up in a rural environment. Was that part of your family? Were you on a farm? Were you no, on we a... we had about
2: six acres, which I guess for Asheville would be, you know, a mini farm. But in Franklin, that's just, you know. Yeah, that's a... We were 10 minutes from the center of town. And, right. um But, cool. yeah, it was, was great. I grew up, you know, hiking and mountain biking and yeah. kayaking and snowboarding. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, that, in a place like that, you know, that stuff keeps you out of trouble and gives right. you something oh, to do. Sure. And for sure. So So um,
1: when did making things first uh, creep into your life what's your earliest remembrance of making something
2: i don't i don't remember this but my mom and i had to give a talk at penland when i taught i think it was penland when i taught there and they asked a similar question mm-hmm. and it was um i my mom brought home an ornament and it was driftwood like a santa like a little carved driftwood yeah. santa yeah and i don't know i think i got my first knife when i was six okay and my mom showed me this ornament that she had bought and apparently I said mom don't buy those anymore I I can do that for you you don't waste your money (laughs) on that and so I went out and carved one and I like scraped the bark off to like the like can be you know right in just behind the bark and then like dug in deeper to do the eyes Mm -hmm. and it every year my wife's favorite ornaments are the two sanders the one driftwood and the one that I said was just as good. Those, those first ornaments. Every year, they're front and center on the Right. Christmas so, oh, so yeah,
1: right. That's a great recognition. Yeah, you, you pretty much hit, hit your peak at six. Yeah. You know. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But I think... We're I think, done. Podcast. Think, we're right. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. I, I
2: think that sort of shows that, like, idea, and I don't know. I would hope all children have it and it gets fostered, but I don't know. Like, even if they don't actually know how to get there, they see a thing, and they're yeah. like... I, I know the steps, you know, like, yeah. and I want to do them, and I want to, you know. So that was that was it. But I drew a lot. I mm-hmm. played Legos constantly. Yeah. Um, so were your mom or dad um, artists or makers, or did they have any? My dad had a shop in the basement. He made okay. little houses. He actually made he made the, some corner cupboards in our house. Mm-hmm. He was a banker. Um, okay. Or you know, he's retired now. But I think. You know, he would have probably loved to have done that or yeah, worked for yeah. the Forest Service. Or, but he had three kids yeah. and he got a job. And, he, you know, so he, he did as much as he could. Right, right. And yeah. he loves a project. And I know cool. I'm that person now. Yeah. Like, I, you know, we'll probably talk yeah. later about what's going on now. But it's, yeah. it doesn't really matter for me if it's, I mean, I love wood. I've got certainly settled on some things that I enjoy. Mm-hmm. But now that we own a house, it's like, I want to put a pond in. We should yeah. have a pond. Yeah. Let's, I'm going to dig a pond. Landscape architecture you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. for the next two months. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so Franklin, I was ready to get out. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. Uh, yep. was able to graduate about a semester early in high school. Oh, wow. Worked hard for that, huh? Well, they had switched over, and there was just this sort of setup from changing from seven classes per year all year long to four per semester, Mm -hmm. and so I ended up with enough credits, and I wasn't ready to go to college, so I went to uh, Costa Rica for a year abroad. um, Oh, wow. Rotary Youth Exchange. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, So did you see, how was Costa Rica? Did you see stuff there that kind of blew
2: your mind? I did. You know, for a kid from Franklin, that's a good experience. You know, for a kid from anywhere in the United States. 17 or 18 years, years old experience. to do that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think, I. you know, I
1: mean, I remember going to France at the age of six, you yeah. know, with my parents. And it just, all of a sudden, your world just enlarges. Oh, right. I'm not
2: the center of the whole universe. Yeah, yeah it's like,
1: yeah. oh, there's
0: other people here besides right. what's in Franklin? Who yeah. live yeah. other ways,
2: yeah. who do things differently, yeah, who yeah. have more or have less, but are equally as happy you know it's just similar for me at the age of
0: 17 to germany and austria and it's like wow
2: so that's cool so in in costa
0: rica what anything pivotal happened there did you
2: i think for me it was just uh living on my own yeah Uh, well not on my own i lived with families but Mm -hmm. they didn't you know when i got there i didn't speak i didn't speak spanish yeah
0: um
2: i didn't know how little i knew until like I lived with one family for six months and then another family for four months. Wow, you were there for almost a year, huh? Ten and a half months or so. Wow, that's wonderful. And so by the time I got back to visit my... you know, like So I lived with the first family and then I moved out to the coast to live Mm -hmm. with the second one. And I would go back to visit my first family. Mm -hmm. And I remember at one point we were eating dinner and we were eating rice and beans. And they called them Mm Frijos. And I was like... Frijos, what do you mean, Frijos? They were like, oh, yeah, when you got here, you called them that. And they had been, like, making fun of me that whole year. Like, from, they're probably still calling them Frijos because that funny, you know, <laughs> kid who didn't speak Spanish yeah, when orders. he got here didn't know it. Yeah, anyway. So, yeah. yeah. That's funny. But I think more than anything, coming back from, like, I wasn't ready to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I just... I knew I needed to do something different, and coming back, I came back with an appreciation for w- how I grew up, the people who raised me. yeah. And I just, I think I was focused again, and mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I can, I can go to school, I can, you know, I worked for a year and did some construction, and then went up to App State.
1: And did you, well, oh, they have an excellent woodworking program at App State. They do. And did you participate in that, or that was I wasn't, did. I you did? So, w-
2: when I was up there, um, I'd been working as a carpenter a little bit. Okay. You know, I I liked it. Yeah. And so I was, like, thinking I was going to do the construction management program. Okay, okay. Um, As part of the construction management program at the time, you could take intro to woodworking, which Mm -hmm. was part of their furniture design. It might have been furniture construction at the time. It's, it's since become more design-oriented. Yeah, yeah that, that department,
1: because actually I looked into that department. Did you? And it was actually a part of the, the Appropriate Technology School. When you looked into when it? When I looked into when it. When was that? Oh, we're talking a long time ago. 40
0: 19, years ago or something? 1988. No. <laughs> okay. Yeah. 30 years ago, so, I mean, <laughs> It was,
2: you know, when I was up there, the furniture, it was pretty old school. Mm-hmm. Saws, table saws, shapers, overarm routers. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember being shown how to carve a ball and claw, you know. Yeah, yeah, traditional It was old school. It was like, yeah, the guys were old school. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was kind of at the tail end before the CNC's came in, before. uh, But it was doing that that I was like, oh, this is the best. Like not I really love not having to carry my tools every day in a truck,
0: you know. And <laughs> Isn't like, that great? Though? You can have a coffee maker
2: <laughs> in your shop, you know. It was like working from one spot, and I just love the scale, yeah. right, of, of furniture but to it was, houses.
1: But it wasn't it wasn't an uh, uh, an art program. It was a very it sounds like it was a very practical hands on furniture. Program. I think they
2: were built gearing people up to go work in hickory, high point, in go, industry. In industry, you right? Might be to a go form, make furniture, you might be, right? You know, yeah, right. Um, that's, that's what it was at that time. And so, um, yeah, again, I was just sort of, and, and so they started bringing people in the program started changing, but at that point I was already kind of on my way out. So I just sort of saw it through, you know, the way that I was doing it, you know,
1: and that was your undergraduate degree was in.
2: So I was, I was thinking maybe I'll switch. Maybe I'll go into, maybe I should be doing furniture. I like, I prefer it to building houses. Mm -hmm. Um, but then realized I was almost finished. And maybe it just made more sense to go somewhere and focus on furniture. So I just sort of stuck it out. But I remember it was like every semester there had to be a woodworking course. So like at one point I had 18 hours. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, oh, I don't have woodwork. So I added. I had to get like approval to do 21 hours because I needed to have shop right. time. Yeah. You know, but it was, so that was fun because I so it. loved it.
1: Right, because it was yeah. just a whole part of your. It had become this thing. Part of your process. I knew that's right.
2: what I wanted to be doing. Yeah. Right. But I also knew I had to. It made more sense to kind of carry on with um, construction management.
1: Right, because so. you were just a horribly practical this, person. That's right. It's two, <laughs> This was uh. mind you, two thousand six, two thousand seven. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. Boone, mm-hmm.
2: Blowing Rock, North Carolina. Um, you know, You're everything's not gonna, cost plus. Yeah. The construction industry, it felt like this thing. It was like being a bartender. If you can do that, you can always get a job. Yeah. You know what I mean? You'll always be able to swing a hammer. Um, that changed a little bit. Yeah. You know? um, right after that. But it was kind of nice, so I made the choice. All right, I'm going to finish up. This was, I guess, 2007. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm going to go. This was before the crash. The housing right. you know right yeah and made the decision to go out to college of the redwoods i, I applied i didn't have a backup i'd never mm-hmm. been
1: and and what drew you to that program I'd say we because we're, we're going to get into it because there's yeah. a there's obviously there's a whole philosophy involved in the college of the woodwoods it's not like going to san diego state university no. or any of these other collegiate woodworking programs there is yeah there is a college of the redwoods way or and the Cronovian way.
2: There is, you know, there is. Is
0: that what is that know, what drew you
2: well, to that? No. no. Um, okay. I, you know, when I got into woodworking, and this would have been I don't know when my first 2003, mm-hmm. uh, my instructor, um, Phil Armstrong up at App State, mm-hmm. gave me. Loan me George Nakashima's Soul of a Tree and right. Sam Maloof Woodworker, yeah. and let me look at those books, and I just thought that was the coolest. So a lot of my first furniture, it was live edge. It was real. I loved using hand tools. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just, I, I just couldn't get enough of that. Um, and then one of the instructors up at App. Um, is a graduate of that program, Marie Hopeful, who's in administration up there. Right. And she's married to David Fink, who, making and mastering wooden hand planes, also an early graduate. And very interesting tie-in,
1: David Fink is the person that first interested me in woodworking. Really? Yes, so I met David Fink in West Virginia in 1982 or 83. And I was doing some, and I don't want to make this too much about me, but no, it's this is very, this is a it's great just very intriguing. Because wow. I was, I was, uh, I was whittling firewood on my back porch in West Virginia, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine says, said to me, he said, "You've got to go meet this guy, David Fink." Um, he lived way out in the middle of nowhere with his father, who was like, uh, I think he, he he taught at the med school at the University of Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. and then they they move out to rural nowhere's West Virginia and just set up this absolutely gorgeous shop. And that's where my first experience with College of the Redwoods was, because they had a heard huge old bandsaw. Mm-hmm. You know, one of those Yates Americans or any. Mm-hmm. And in the College of the Redwood way, they tuned it up to, I mean, it was just this gorgeous thing. Yeah. And it cranked out veneer with almost no saw marks on it, no mm-hmm. mill marks on it. But <laughs> it was David Fink no who kidding. started this whole trip for me. Yeah. I uh, can't wow. do the math. That's a long-ass time ago. Long. They
2: both went, they went through the program in its infancy, in the 80s, out in uh, – and I think they did two years, I think. Um, but yeah, so Marie saw my work, and she was like – you know, she knew I was about to finish up and mm-hmm. figuring out what my next thing was, and she was like, have you checked out that there's a program in California, and I didn't even know about it. Yeah. So I uh, – she said, it would be a fit. You knowing you and knowing your work and where you're wanting where you're starting out, I think you would, I think it'd be really good yeah, for you. Where you're wanting to go with so, it. Um, so, so, again, we were looking for what to do, and I, I read a little about the program, and then started the application. Marie was kind enough to write a letter of recommendation for me, which I think helped my case a lot. <laughs> um, well, good. But I remember re- I was writing that application in the App State like library in the woodshop library. And I pulled down an old Fine Woodworking, and it was an article on the program, from like the '87 or '88, mm-hmm. Right. has Kronov on the cover, right? And by the time I read those like five pages, I was so freaked out, you know, because <laughs> I was like, because they were just talking about what it was like, and I, because I knew not, I knew nothing about it. I hadn't read Kronov's books. I hadn't, right? I kind of didn't know what. I was trying to sign up for. So this scared you? (laughs) A little bit. I I probably wouldn't, you know, just in the level of quality that they... Was he still there when you were there? He still lived in Fort Bragg, but he wasn't at the school. He wasn't teaching at the program, so you didn't have any interaction with him. I met him. We went, my wife and I went and sat with him and chatted one day. Right. One afternoon. Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so I still, I ended up, I filled out the application. I mailed it in and and did get in. So, and then we... uh, how long is that that program out there so it's a year long okay you have an opportunity they have there's like I don't remember how many benches 23 benches or something like that Mm -hmm. and uh, up to six can apply (laughs) for a second year okay so I guess some years they might have a lot of more first years you know but up to six are allowed to have bench spots so we we never went and visited we loaded up my Toyota T one hundred to the gills, and Jenny and I drove out, and yeah, and that was two thousand seven.
1: And uh, so, how was that experience? I mean, uh, so who was the lead instructor there? It was one of it was somebody who'd studied under. It was up. so the right.
2: director was Michael Burns. Um, okay. So yeah, we so we, we roll into Fort Bragg, sight unseen. We kn- we had an apartment line. That was all we knew. (laughs) Um,
1: And this is rural California, right?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, we literally, like, I'm like, well, we're moving to California. I had surfboard on top of the truck. Uh, (laughs) We had left Winnemucca, Nevada that morning. I had on shorts, flip-flops, a T-shirt. And, you know, you're driving through, like, you know, we drove into Tahoe and then, like, kind of across whatever the the kind of plateau is. And then we hit... what is it, like Willits, California. And you come down from Willits, and it's Redwoods, and it's winding down, and all of a sudden it's foggy. And it just it just felt like you were kind of entering this other world there. Wow. Um, you know, I remember there was, a, there was a, a, I was like driving down, and there was fog, and I looked on the side, and there was a trailer with some trucks in the front yard on blocks and a Confederate flag waving. And I was like, I think I took a wrong turn <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but we, we pulled in. and um, A friend of mine, I think, refers to that as Calabama. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, you are, you know, for those who don't know, Fort Bragg, it's halfway between San Francisco and Crescent City, uh, California, which is right on the border. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's halfway up from San Francisco. It's about a five, four or five-hour drive. In the middle of nowhere, California. Right on the coast. Yeah. Um, but it was, yeah, so we settled in. Jenny already had a job lined up. Uh, so she was starting work like three days later. Wow. Um, and uh, it, it, it... So the program, for those who don't know, it, it, the first six weeks or so are all on techniques. Your mm-hmm. first day, you learn to sharpen. Yeah. And then from there, you've got a sharp plane iron. You get your other tools sharp, and you start making hand planes. And it sort of follows a lot of the stuff that's outlined in his book. Like the techniques are sharpening making hand planes um dovetailing by hand which i had done on my own in north carolina but not with the kind of same level of instruction as Mm -hmm. i got to see out there you know Uh, there's something about being at a school for six days a week you know six days a week nine hours a day minimum so it Monday through Saturday. Yeah, it was totally immersion. One day
0: off. Super immersion.
2: And and you know, so at the time I was just all I just lived and breathed woodworking, and so then to be able to go somewhere like that, Mm -hmm. and you have no real deadlines, you're in school. Yeah, yeah. But it's just woodworking. Wow. And you're not also taking business classes. Some might fault the program for that, but like you're not doing anything but woodworking. Yeah. And just. It takes as long to you know one of your lessons is the perfect board where you you take a stick of i think it was hard maple and you flatten it and thickness it and rip it on the bandsaw so you use the machine room it's a chance to like start to use the machines but then you go into your bench and you have to you have to square the edges you have to smooth the faces you know uh then i think you got maybe got that inspected and then after that, you had to go rip it in half, do a glue joint on it, and it had to meet their standards. Um, and that, you know, a lot of times, it's like, you, it's just, nope, not, not right. Do nope, it over. I see, <laughs> a, I see plane marks in it. I see, or you know, I, not plane marks, but I see, you know, where there was a nick in the iron, like, go sharpen and hit it again. You know, and what they're trying to do is teach you how to use those planes. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. It was just what I needed right it was uh, it was a chance to take the things I had started learning at app right and just really focus on them and I think like I said I didn't read krenov's books but did you ever read them I did I've since yeah read them all how I mean all, did you read them, them while you were what, what, I did.
1: what's what's his essential book the the life of a cabinet maker uh, no, what fine is, art of cabinet making fine art of cabinet making right that's the mm-hmm. essential tone did you did, did you read
2: that while you were in the that pro- was I think that was you know you, there was that was required reading yeah when you went out there they had a tool list mm-hmm. on the website i don't know if it's still on their website but it's actually a great tool list for any woodworker who just mm-hmm. wants to have a good hand tool kit it's very reasonable nothing you don't need yeah. everything you do need you know right uh but that book was one of the required... it was like the bring your textbook you know right. it's 35 yeah. years here's the old. one tick. go get it <laughs> you know yeah um yeah But, you know, he has such a practical approach, to me, to woodworking. It's not all hand tools. It's not just routers. You know, it's, you can have, one, you know, tools should be well-maintained, whatever they are. Right. The idea that you have these machines that are great, they can do the heavy lifting, so that you have the time and energy to come back in the bench room and, you know, put your mark on the piece, right. fine tune those joints. You know, I don't think, I've not, since then, I've not, I've not glued up a joint off the joiner since then. I mean, you know, yeah. I thought you left, at, like at that, you, you hit the joiner or the table saw and then you glue up your edge joints. Mm-hmm. You know, and I've not, ever since then, every time it gets hit with generally my number eight, you know. Um, but yeah, just this idea, this really sort of, to me, practical approach that you've got a really well set up Machine room doesn't need to be fancy, doesn't, but it's, uh, and then you also have the kit on the, on your, in your bench room, even if they're all in the same space, but, right. you know. Yeah. And if your machines aren't quite working right, it's not the end of the world. You know, if your joiner's being kind of finicky, you can fix it with a hand plane, um, you know. That was empowering to me, because I remember being at App, and when the machines weren't working right, I didn't know what to do, you know. Yeah, no. But the I mean, joiner a- wasn't working, and yeah. I need to glue something up. Yeah, and you just lost the thickness of your I board because it wasn't doing it. I'm fixing the joiner just to, you know. Yeah. Right. Because I can't get it to right. you know, it's a sort join of square or whatever.
1: Yeah, not not letting the uh, well the technology or the machinery yeah. get in the way of getting from A to B. Yeah. So, so. it's yeah. No it's and, no, it's just it's a it's a very, you know, I've I had shared shop space with a with a mm-hmm. another credit graduate might have been about that. Oh God, his first name was Doug. I can't remember what his last name was. Doug from Kansas. That's okay. all I. Re- all right. <laughs> that doesn't give you a clue. No. Anyway... there's no. not many.
2: Pe- I mean, it's only 23 people a year. Yeah. So it's not. It's not really not.
1: So Doug. Doug number. encouraged me to buy a, a hawk plane iron. Yeah. And uh, shot. You know, ch- showed me how to sharpen it. Yep. And then we built a we built a hand plane. And. And I rarely ever use yeah. it because I'm a I'm a brutalist. Mm-hmm. I. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm more concerned about getting to I'm more concerned about what the end idea is that the right. getting there the journey
2: mm-hmm.
1: is not as important mm-hmm. if I have to beat it with a sledgehammer to get there mm-hmm. I'm going to do, do it yeah so <laughs> yeah. it's it's a brutalist approach and but I know I really respect the I really respect the, the purity of that mm-hmm. approach and also the appropriateness too I And
2: mean, what, what's kind of, what's been kind of nice is then to leave there mm-hmm. to be able to you, you get to you now you've got this whole bag of tricks you've yeah got this whole oh, absolutely back. you've got one side you've seen the other side and then you can pick that path that's right for you
0: like you just went to woodworking boot camp and right now you're you don't have re- to use it all. I now mean, it's not—it's
2: not like you sign something that like yeah. you will—you have to use this plane right. for the rest right. of your life. Right, right, Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Never should a metal plane touch your board. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not. Um, yeah.
0: So the planes for people that don't know, you made wooden planes. <laughs> that's right? right. Okay. That's
2: right. So there, uh, you know, Krinoff had a design that he sort of worked on. It was based, you know, in traditional planes, but he he sort of settled on a, a way to make them that works for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are people who you know. Not, I'm sure. There are people who know far more about, you know, that sort of, yeah. probably where he got that. Um, but, right. you know, basically you take a chunk of wood and you saw cheeks off and you cut ramps and you tune parts up with your hand plane. And, you know, it's, there's sort of this step-by-step process. Uh, and you bang process. forever
1: with your little hammer on the rear end of it to get, uh-huh. to get the plane well, iron just right. Forever. hopefully yeah, not, not forever. Hopefully like, not Oh, you're banging one end. I always forget which end to bang. Am I mm-hmm. banging the front or am I banging the back? Mm-hmm. It's
2: like, yeah. oh, it's the other end. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah. So you had a, a pretty intense year there
2: and uh, did it. We did it. Yeah. Did a year. Okay. And then you get the chance to apply for a second year. And did you apply for the second year? I did. Because oh, cool. we figured, you know what? We're here. Mm-hmm. We actually, we loved living here. We had really amazing friends we had made in the program. Oh, that's great. And so we were like, this is our chance. Yeah. You know, so we did. We stayed for, for a second year. Cool. And, and so I worked through a summer uh, running trim on a boat. <laughs> that had burned in San Francisco harbor they had steamed it up to a boat builder's shop wow um, that's a
0: pretty interesting job To it was it was great it
2: was great that's cool um, no, that, i
1: mean that's like the ultimate challenge in in sort of finished carpentry because there isn't a square edge on a boat period which
2: is good for somebody who's got a bunch of planes they want to use and yeah. you know <laughs> yeah cuz everything has to be hand fit i right. mean because
1: Every surface is unique. Yeah.
2: It was uh, um, built by the New York Yacht Launch and Engine Company back in – it was for the owner of Marlin Firearms. And Mm -hmm. so it had burned. This guy bought it. He steamed it. He patched the hull and steamed it up to Fort Bragg, California, where there was, like I said, an old-school boat builder whose bid fit the bill. And they uh, re-steam-bent oak uh, ribbing, and they did a double-plank Port Orford hull on it. All the ballast had it had gotten so hot it all melted and pulled into the shot. ballast for the keel had melted in the
1: hall oh interesting oh my goodness it must have been an incredible piece of sculpture it actually a, it was
2: uh <laughs> so they took that out and you know wow re, you know <laughs> so you were split in, it back up Again, in, i wasn't a part of any of that so i got hired you know i was literally after the show the first show because there's two shows a year in that program and you know, you, you finish the opening and then there's a bar nearby. Yeah. In Mendocino, yeah. California. <laughs> and we were sitting at the bar talking to a guy and he said, What are you doing for the summer? And I said, I don't know, I'm staying, but and he said, Well, I got a boat that I'm redoing and I I could use another pair of hands on it. So it was literally frame and panel, the interior was all mahogany wow. and uh, Cuban fruit wood and had to do all new floors, teak floors. so Kept you busy all summer. Mm. Yeah, I was wow. working with Bob Sanderson, Sanderson Hardware out in California. He makes really nice knife hinges wow. and poles right. and things. Wow. Uh, there's a bunch okay. of businesses that sort of came about. Because of the College of yeah. the Redwoods. You know, you look in Krenov's books. Krenov wasn't ordering his plane irons from Hawk. He was taking plane irons from Stanley Block planes, mm-hmm. And you'll see that in the book. Well, Hawk was a... He, that was somebody who actually went through the program, right? I don't believe so. Oh, he didn't? Uh, okay. No, but he, he was there, and he was, you know, he was a metal worker and made knives, and he saw an opportunity, so he started producing those. And by the end, you know, definitely um, he was, you know, Kronov, I think plenty of irons uh, got Plenty of hawk irons got used. And, so, so what did the second year at,
1: uh, at, in that program look like? What did you uh, – what was, the, what was the, the next on the agenda after you got comfortable – with you know, with hand tools, so you're and with that that whole process.
2: So your your first year is like first six weeks is techniques. Then you have your first project, which has to be four S's: simple, solid, sweet, and simple. I don't remember, but uh, simple, mis- sol- solid wood, no veneer. Right. Um, they want it to be sort of a manageable project. Uh, project. So. You do that, and then you can have a more complicated, then the lessons, you start having some lessons on veneering the way that Kronov did, those mm-hmm. uh, bandsaw and veneers that you were referring to in David's shop. Right. Um, so you do some of those, and then you're typically people do two or three projects your first year, Yeah. two after that first one, and you can do chairs. You can't do chairs for your first one, or you couldn't at the time, you know. Uh, so then your second year is kind of your chance. I think if, when you apply, you have to say why you want to come back. Yeah. And that's part of it is what do you want to learn? What yep. haven't you done in the first year that you want to try? And right. what, was your, what was your statement? I did, I think I wanted to do a large case piece. My first project was a small solid wood cabinet. Mm-hmm. My next piece was a veneered clock. Um, so then I'd never done a large case. And so I did a big veneered uh, sideboard, four or five feet long. You know, Mm -hmm. um, solid wood, uh, you know, uh, uh, dovetail drawers. You know, I wanted that whole experience, and then I hadn't done a chair, so I wanted to do a chair, so I did that. Um, And I, those were actually based on some English arts and crafts chairs that I really loved and wanted to Mm -hmm. try building. Yes.
1: So, what was the design element that was? Was there much of a design instruction at College of the Redwoods, or were you? Did uh, did you throw your designs off of the lead instructor? Did you? Were you sort of? You know, were you? I'm I'm always curious about how they approach design at the College of the Redwoods.
2: You know, I don't and it's you know, it's weird to think about because at this point, I left there 10 years ago. You know, I started 12 years ago. Right. Um, You know, we got to build what we wanted to build Mm -hmm. you know you would come up with ideas basically you've got different instructors who sort of rotate each day and you know certain ones have different strong suits and different backgrounds and so some questions you might like hold till that person's coming because you know (laughs) that's sort of their wheelhouse but um you know that they definitely weren't just you know you didn't have to just make krenov cabinets you know you but the philosophy behind those, the sensitivity to the materials right. um, y- you know the, the 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 all those same people went through that program, yeah, yeah, so they certainly have a certain pair of glasses on you know that's not true. there are people who have kind of gone their own way, but you know it's it's a good philosophy, you know Kronov made some incredible work oh, and he good. was he was one of his strong suits was his ability to see like on a design i think uh, the mock up process is key for them you know you you know mo- you might sketch it first but nothing's getting built in there without a mock up right so, so yeah you, you work details out yeah you're looking at a leg but let's say it's a bow fronted cabinet well what does that do to this little cabriole leg does it does it make it look kind of awkward from one angle and what can a person do you know one what kind of grain is going to give you the right graphics on that leg but two where would a bevel or a cove or something in the right spot kind of trick the eye into making that shape more pleasing
1: right yeah so you did so you did models of everything you built
2: oh yeah I like a I like a drawing like mm-hmm. a front side, top view, yeah, yeah. a lot. I can see a Three lot. Scale uh, yeah, I'm right. pretty like, yeah. yeah. right. So I like doing that yeah. first. yeah, yeah And then I'll kind of get rough shapes, scales, dimensions from that, and then that's where you might mock it up, cardboard, a leg shape, to start kind of seeing what you're doing.
1: And, and would so, you take it to the next step and, and model it in the actual materials?
2: That's – if you needed to, you know, you mean in wood, and actual... Yeah, like yeah. do a yeah. scale model of it or something? You yeah, might, scale
1: model. I mean, if you were building a piece in ash, it's would def- you build a model in ash? And? No. No.
2: No. Well, you might do a leg in ash yeah, to right. see how it works. and yeah. But, you know, you go as far as you need to. Yeah. Well, you're right. talking about, like, cardboard mock-ups or yeah. things yeah. like that. Okay. Whatever it takes. Cool. You know, if you were building a chair, you're definitely going to build a chair you can sit in. Right, you're going to build a full-scale mock-up because you have to And the one that can right. sustain weight. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're... You know, so but do that out of poplar, ash, or cheap wood. Totally, yeah, yeah. totally, great. Um, So you know, a lot of times, yep, you're designing it. An instructor kind of makes the rounds around. So what are you working on with that? Well, I might look at that a little harder. You know, I would. You know, um,
0: so your head's full of Krenov yeah 10 years ago and and uh so did you guys move back from california where did you go after that to
2: we we did i stayed on uh helped assist for one of the summer courses they do summer classes out there which just as a plug for people who can't commit to nine months check out their summer classes you know they're affordable they're coastal california you know it's 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 a really cool thing they do and a lot of some of them are modeled on like a condensed version of that first 6 yeah. weeks right. so i assisted for that course for the summer okay and then we moved jenny and i moved back we knew we knew we weren't staying in California. Mm-hmm. We knew our families were here. I had both a both of your families are in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Jenny's from Asheville. I'm okay. from Franklin. So okay. uh, we had a niece who had just been born, so I wasn't here to see right. her get so born. You, and we're close to our families. You had something important to come back to. Yeah, yeah I didn't want to. You know, we didn't want to be gone. We didn't want to be that aunt and uncle who were, you know, yeah, seeing them twice out. a year or once a right. year. Well, so we uh, we headed back, and we ended up settling in. We ended up settling in Asheville. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was two thousand nine. Yeah,
1: you started your own practice. What were you thinking? What did you want to make? What was the, what was the, what was the driving
0: force there? You also had two years of, of chairs with Brian. I had a year most, and so, a half, yeah, yeah.
2: and I'd worked in a in a um, shop that did cabinets. And and Brian Boggs is the
1: Brian we're referring yeah, yeah, to. Yeah, so. yeah. Um,
2: And and so it worked in a shop also that did you know cabinets and built-ins. Okay. And so, right. you know, I had the start of a toolkit. Brian had the. Re- or, um, Brent had the rest of it, you know, mm-hmm. so it was you know, like, okay, I've got it. I can start making stuff. Yeah. Um, my first projects were two benches mm-hmm. for some friends of Brent's who yeah. needed two benches for yeah. their house. In, um, Great. And uh, Brevard, and they were yeah. Cypress and um, copper riveting and, mm-hmm. you know, um, but at that time I was just sort of taking whatever jobs would come, you know, yeah. thinking back, <laughs> I don't know. I did those. Been there. <laughs> um. I, got a, I did do a couple spec pieces for this after leaving Brian's shop. One thing I was excited about was the bark seating, And there were all these little shorts that he couldn't use. Um, and I was so pumped to try to work those in somewhere else. It seemed like such a shame that they were only on chairs. So mm-hmm. like on my website, there's a couple cabinets wall hung and one with, on the, stand, with, right, woven with the woven panels. By, right yeah, the woven yeah, part panels. So that, those were some ideas that were like, I'm excited to pursue that. Yeah. But as y'all know, from being working furniture makers, a lot of times you just chase the jobs that are coming in the front door. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, Which even, was tough for me. Yeah. Cause I'm particular about the jobs that come in the front door so i went through a lot of this like inner turmoil like this doesn't really feel like a fit but i really need the money but yeah, it's really yeah, not a yeah. fit for me yeah right you know that's a battle <laughs> um and and i realized pretty early on like you know taking the wrong jobs is almost worse than well, not, it
1: t- you know it, it takes a while to have your your client radar up there enough mm-hmm. to know this is well not only the job but is this somebody i want to work yeah. for yeah that's
2: true Butcher. And I was lucky to work with great people, and had a customer down in Florida that I found through a friend, and did a couple cool pieces for her. She the the walnut woven front cabinet um, that, that's on the website. Um, so yeah, so I'm I'm trying to think back. I built built a couple more of those clocks. I did do. There's one in the gallery. I those don't know if y'all saw. Those are beautiful clocks. Right. Thank yeah, thank you. I right. remember seeing them when they were hanging in here when yeah. you were working on them. And that was fun. Mm. That was like the one that I built. In California, now that that,
1: those were all, they they started out as spec pieces, or that was a a commission from
2: a client, or the first one I just wanted to build. I love clocks. A lot of my work, you know, might come from like, if it is spec, something that maybe there's a process I just haven't gotten to do yet that I really want to, I want to do, or from a piece that I had growing up. Like, our house, my wife and I live in a 1960s home. We really love good American mid-century furniture. Right. Um, My grandmother, though, had a clock in her living room. And it was a mechanical German clock, and it was this heartbeat in the room. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was, like, you know, the coolest uh, type of, I mean, just just a really cool thing, and that was what made me want to build a clock in California. But the thing is, is the way hers looked Mm -hmm. wasn't. Yeah, what I want mine to look like. You didn't it's want not, to do the traditional thing. Right. And so clock, like, at the yeah. time, I was like, well, there's not a lot of contemporary, but really finely built clocks. And that's where that that's right. where that came and from. And it sounds like that's it was great. a
1: confluence of technique and process. Precisely. And the idea of a clock.
2: I want a veneer. Yeah. Um, and I love clocks. And, I, and, and I, love wall, I love that wall clock. And so like, yeah. what does my wall clock look like? The family Based history in I want it. Do. Did yeah. you just yeah, that's out that's of wonderful. curiosity? Did you make the works?
1: Did you buy the works? I bought the
2: works. Yeah, it's. A, I bought a German, German key wound movement. They're right. nice works. They're nice. <laughs> They're yeah. Very, yeah, very beautiful clocks. Yeah, I don't. And that's the thing. Like there are certain things I have no desire to be. I don't have a desire to be a clock maker in terms of the movement itself. So, right. and we have that clock in our house still. We kept it, and it's really sweet. It'll beautiful. be my son's one day.
1: Right. Yeah. Although the look of that movement, I'm sure, was a lot of what was in the design process of that piece, because that movement that's, I mean, is an essential part of the aesthetics of that yeah. piece. It is. Yeah. So, I mean, did it take a while to find that movement or you just, or did you know what movement you were going to use when you started the
2: clock? I did. That's another thing. Like again, at College of the Redwoods, they'll teach you <laughs> what's the, like one of the lessons is like, don't do anything sooner than you have to like plan out things as long as you can. And typically, like if a door, if, if a door's the most complicated part of a cabinet, Build like it. let's say you're doing a curved front door, make the door first. Don't make the cabinet and then have to make a door that's complicated that has to fit it. You know, uh, when I built that, I remember I've still got the my sketchbook from that. I've got a top view of that clock with the movement drawn in it, mm-hmm. and it's full scale. And I remember I ordered the movement. And I actually, I had the movement in hand, so I drew it out yeah. to make sure I knew how thick blocking needs to be. Yeah. And, you know, because, yeah, it's it's got to be it's got to be just right. Got to be right yeah. on. Um, and you're working around something you didn't make, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that was I'd, so I had that shop here until um, what was it 2014. Mm -hmm. And um, Melissa Engler, who worked in the gallery, at one point she came to me and said, you know, do you? there's going to be an opening in the gallery. Do you know anybody who might be interested in the furniture director's position? And I said, I don't, but if I think of somebody, I'll let you know. And I came back down here and went back to working on whatever that commission was that I had at the time. And I was like, well, I don't have much lined up after this. And maybe I could do that. Um, so right, like the shop had finally sort of like, I was actually starting to make money. (laughs) It was all kind of, it was working. Yeah. Yeah. And then I went and changed the whole thing again. (laughs) And that was about four years ago. Right. And yeah. So that was,
1: so that was, that transition was just completely sparked by. It was sparked. I was saying, Hey,
2: there's a job opening. Totally. Just like going to California was sparked by some, one person saying, Hey, I think this program would be a fit for you. You know, um, I just, I don't know. That kind of has always um, I found that it's nice if you leave yourself open, you know. It might not be on your radar for what you want yeah. to be doing. but you know. and, and you've
1: slowly, in the last four years, you've transitioned from being director of the, the, the furniture part of the gallery mm-hmm. to being your director of this whole gallery, right? The gallery and I oversee the property. And you know, oversee the property? Acres so about 12 you know your, yeah. your role in this this space has it changed has. significantly as well as your responsibilities.
2: Although, anybody who knows this property knows Grovewood Gallery is sort of its nucleus. Yeah. yeah. So, right. that, I'm, I'm still like, that's where a lot of time gets spent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah. So, so, and it was a big transition. It was, yeah, for sure. it was going <laughs> from making furniture and having a long beard and, you know, um, all of a sudden you got to clean chasing up. chasing jobs to, like, yeah, yeah. looking presentable and, you know talking Get, to customers and
1: and and what happened to the woodworking i mean how what's that so what's the what's the creative life work life balance now that's a good question uh, well with the home life because you have, well, a, you you have, you have a, a relatively young child yeah as well. you that's a, the thing yeah a I, and I, was, I was starting <laughs> to
2: figure that out and then fuller came along jenny and i had a baby so um you know at first it was like i wouldn't have taken the job up there I wouldn't have probably i wouldn't have had the job if i hadn't been here on the property right knowing the people i know yeah, and right, with the background yeah. that i have but then I, I don't i wouldn't have taken the job mm-hmm. if i if my shop had been somewhere else like if my shop had been across town mm-hmm. i think even at the time i was like I, i'm not gonna work eight hours a day drive across town to log three hours yeah to right. then go home Right. So it, it, knowing that I, well, maybe I can just run across. Maybe I can work a little in the morning, or, you know, that was enough to make me. So, do you have a shop now? Do you
1: you have a shop at home now?
2: I, I kept the shop here, for, I kept the shop here for until last year, last spring. Okay. I knew we were going to be having a. um, I knew at the time. I actually decided to move at home when I started overseeing the property. Okay. okay, right. um, And I knew we wanted to have, we were hoping to have a child and it was just going to get harder to get in here. I wanted to be in here. I just, I just, so we ended up moving the shop to the garage in our house. We okay. have a three car garage. We built it out, cut one car in half. So it's kind of a two and a half car garage. Uh, I had to rent a crane to get my equipment out. <laughs> um, I actually heard that as we cut a car in half. I was like, oh yeah. Um, you gotta have some, a little bit of room for like yard yeah. equipment, but right, right. <laughs> but yeah, so we, you know, also anybody who knows this property knows there's no way to pull a truck up to this building, yeah. and I had to move out. Oh, of Yates American, I, I had to.
0: I uh, remember helping Brent
2: move his stuff
0: in here when
2: we moved it from Shortcuts Avenue down the yeah, stairs, unreal. just hoping. So we right. wheeled it out and we picked it up and put it on a flatbed and took mm-hmm. it to the house. And so now the shop's at home, and I've filled in. I've, I've got kind of my dream little setup. I've got a and do you, do you do you spend uh, how much time do you spend in there?
1: Or probably not enough, but no
2: not well, I won't say not enough. Um I, you know, in the meantime, I've had a we've had this child and he's just uh, the best thing that's ever happened to us. Yeah. And so, you know, life kind of moves in seasons and So now we're in this season, the only person I still do work for regularly is a friend who I built frames for and built panels for. Mm -hmm. He's a painter here in Asheville and, um, it, it pays okay. And it, and it's for just for a good friend. And so I enjoy doing that and it's a reason to get in the shop. Yeah. It gets you into the shop. Spec work wouldn't get me in the shop right now because I'll pick Fuller or Jenny over the shop every day. Right. But those but frames let you but get But a dirty. deadline that I've committed to, yeah. that gets right. me in the shop.
0: But
1: so no, I'm I, I grateful love, to have I that. love the way you expressed that. It, there's, there's a season for everything. Yeah. So the season for you to get back in the shop will, will come. Yeah. And it's there. When that season, yeah. It's, it's ready. Yeah. You know,
2: and, and soon Fuller will be bigger, and it's probably going to be, you know, like we'll be using our, the Oliver Planer to mill, you know, wooden sword parts. I don't know. Yeah. And it'll be great. You yeah. know? Um, how are we doing on time? So it'll, it'll always be a, a part of your
0: life work. Okay. Yeah. So it'll always be a part of your life. I mean, totally.
2: You know? Totally. Yeah. And it's it's and it's kind of it's funny because there were, you know, when I was doing it for a living here, it was we were scraping by, you know. It's hard. Yeah. And oh, yeah. you know, there were all there were tools that I knew we wanted to upgrade but mm-hmm. we just couldn't do it, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. And so now having a day job, it's a little easier to be like, okay, let's do this, and save up and Yeah. And so like there were a couple machines I didn't have. Mm-hmm. And I do, I'm admittedly a tool junkie you know i love good equipment yeah and you know i wanted a good table saw and i wanted a good planer and so i finally we we've got both those i got an, a nice vintage scmi short stroke slider and an oliver 399 planer a little 18 in, little 18 inch it was like <laughs> my bucket planer and well, now it doesn't get you know it's like now yeah. i can do it and yeah it, well, I use it And this, now you know, I don't get to use it as much. I use but it once every just, 3 months, but it's <laughs> But oh, is it nice.
0: But No, no but you've set yourself up, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like
2: then you're I the, mean
1: the season to make will will come back again as yeah, you say. I mean, yeah. um, you know. It, it would. I mean.
2: And again, you know, we bought a house. So mm-hmm. I I would it's it's I would I would shrivel and, you know, without projects. That's right. what gets me going. Right. And so we've got projects at the house like like I said, we're putting in planes or we're working on a, on an old car or we, you know, yeah, I just have yeah. these other, I love gardening. I love, you know, but because there's all these things pulling me away, I've found that I do this more than ever. I want my shop set up really well because mm-hmm. okay. I don't have time to go in there and fuss with stuff. Yeah. Right.
0: Well, I've got to set up my joiner
2: today. No, yeah, exactly. Know, like, if right. the joiner, like if it's not working right, I got to fix it and have it working right. Cause I want to be able to walk down. Yeah. And know it's gonna work. Turn man. it on and go. Exactly. Right. I mean, exactly. the important thing, and the reason we're having these conversations with folks, is because
1: we're talking to people who, at their heart, are makers. Yeah. And I don't know that, regardless irregardless of your life circumstances, that doesn't change that no. central
0: core. There's just. You're a, a maker. Yeah,
2: you need to do it. And, yeah. And so, you know, and the other thing is working inside the gallery every day you get to see wonderful work by that was handmade, you know, by different people. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I couldn't be out being an investment, you know, advisor or I, you know, it, this works because of the situation that yeah. it is. Right. Oh, and it's, it's almost perfect. It's, it, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's to be able to promote other people who did what I did for a living, different mediums to, to have the background. Like, you know, we, represent you Rob and yeah. to be able to when a customer comes up and says how hard would it be for Rob to make this table two inches shorter well I can tell them how much harder it would be without having to call you immediately like how hard is it to make a table for two <laughs> yeah, inches shorter you no know. but if they say like how much harder would it be to just add two drawers to it I can say yeah a lot harder hmm. you know I yeah. It, yeah it's it's a fit so what are you yeah. trying to say no, I just—I yeah. <laughs> try to save you a little bit of back and forth. <laughs> I need to make some tables with George. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think that's a benefit with having yeah. someone in there who, no, knows, absolutely. You've got a, who knows furniture. Great background. Yeah. In yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. And for the customer, like someone may be building something, and when it comes in, I, I think we got an issue. You know, like we need to look at how that's constructed. And cool.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, uh,
0: we've enjoyed
1: having you here, Russell. Really glad great you were conversation. Able to sit down and you. talk yeah. with us. So uh, thanks.
0: Why make? Why make? Yeah. Why make? Thanks.